Uh, I want to turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, We're going to be reading 5 and 6. It's a familiar uh, passage of Scripture. Um, My brother Corey, probably maybe a couple years ago, preached on Enoch. uh, And I had that lesson because I had to print his notes out for him. So I was very tempted uh, to just kind of, you know, I figured maybe everybody had forgotten, you know. Uh, and I think he did it on a Wednesday night, so maybe some of you guys wouldn't have heard it, but we're going in a completely different direction, so Corey, you're good, so I did not plagiarize anything, so. Um, so chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, it says, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to read your word. I'm thankful uh, that it uh, can change lives. It can change hearts. It, can, it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of each one of our hearts today, dear God. I pray uh, that as we read and as we study together, as we uh, ask you to teach us, I pray that you would open our uh, hearts and open our eyes and open our just ears to what you would have for us, dear God. I know uh, with the new year, every, we all have so many different things going on in our houses and with our spouses and with our jobs and with you, you, you name it. Uh, but let us all just focus on you for the next little bit of what you would have us to do with this coming year and with the decisions that we make, uh, focusing on you and, and just kind of filtering that. Uh, how do we please you today? We love you. I uh, pray you just... Give us everything that we need in this message today. Just get me out of the way. And all these things we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. So, uh, your first blank, your first uh, number one is going to be witness. Witness goes in your blank. Um, And so, if you go back to the text, and there's a lot of things that we could talk about. You could talk about the fact that Enoch is a picture of the church. You could talk about that he was translated, and he was, you could say, he was raptured out. He was moved from one place. Uh, to a, a better place. Uh, and any time in Scripture when you see the word translated, it always, it's always an improvement. Uh, you could talk about a lot of different things. Uh, but what I want to look at is that it says that he had this testimony that he pleased God. So testimony goes in your blank. And you, uh, it's very, it's awesome. Uh, Con- Connor and some of the other kids came back. And one of the things that they did at Mission Focus is they... Uh, had a mock trial, if you will, of Jesus Christ. Uh, and you had a prosecution and you had a defense. And, you know, one of the things that I believe it was Cheyenne that told me was just she had never thought about it from that perspective to see uh, how you could defend the gospel, that you could defend Jesus Christ in the midst of accusations and things like that. Which in reality, that's what we're all called to do, uh, is to defend the faith. And so it's awesome that we kind of, we're kind of here today. Uh, but if you would think about what a testimony is, it's simply a witness. It's simply a, um, when you come into court, you give your testimony uh, for what you saw and what uh, the, the things that, tra- that, transcri- that, trans, uh, that transpired in an event. And so def- definition is a witness. And what's awesome is when you, I love the Word of God, uh, and I'm going to let the Word of God speak to us today, because when you see the first mention of the word testimony, it's in Exodus 13, 34. It says, as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And what do you notice about the first mention of that word? It's capitalized, right? 
So God, as he always does in his word, establishes the context of what the testimony is about. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And what, if you go back to that and you read that, God had just given the children of Israel manna. And it's a, manna is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. It's a picture of the bread of life. Moses takes a pot. He puts a, an omer, which is a, a, an amount of it, as a testimony of how God fed them in the wilderness. It's pretty cool. And notice where, where it is to be put, Exodus twenty five twenty one It says, And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. This is another picture. The testimony is put in the ark, where? Below the mercy seat. And the mercy seat uh, is the place where atonement for sin was made. Uh, another picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. So right then, God has established what testimony is all about. It is right then in the word of God. Uh, John eight seventeen said, It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Acts fourteen three. Long time therefore abode they spake bold, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So your first key, as believers, our testimony, and you do have a testimony, either good or bad, our testimony should only point to the person of Jesus Christ. If the conversation, if your lifestyle points anywhere else, then guess what? You're a bad witness. I'm a bad witness. If people don't look at my life and see the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else, if I draw attention to myself, if I draw attention to anything else, any other aspect of my life, then I'm a bad witness. And that we have to really kind of approach things that way. Um... Why? Because we're bought with a price. Our lives are not our own anymore. As much as we want to, in, in this society, as much as we want to live for self, we can't. We can't. God has commanded us to do something else. Second Timothy 1.8 says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but he, be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Paul is speaking to Timothy, his son in the faith here. And notice again, uh, he doesn't, you know, he could draw attention to himself. He could certainly had the, had the pedigree to do that. But it was all about the testimony of his Lord. It was all about everything that he was going th- that he had went through, not what Paul was going through. 2 Corinthians 1.12, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you, word. You have a conversation, folks. I have a conversation in this world. It has to point to the Lord Jesus Christ. If it's not, we're a bad witness. Revelation 1, 1 and 2, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. So key question, and you don't have this in your notes, but I want you to look at it and you can write it down if you want. Do my words and actions bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ? So the, the words that come out of my mouth and the actions uh, that I have to other people, do they bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus? Uh, I hope so. I want, that should be our prayer for each one of us. What's cool about Enoch, uh, you know, you can look at different aspects in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It talks about people that did things to please God. It talks about actions that they took to please God. But Enoch and the Lord Jesus Christ are the only two people it says please God. 
with their actions. Uh, and it's very specific. Matthew 3, 17, uh, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Enoch and Jesus is pretty exclusive company. It's pretty good company to be in. Uh, and so when I started studying this out as the things that please the Lord and the things that displease the Lord, and I was very specific, and obviously you could take this in a multitude of directions, uh, just with how you typed in, you know, your search of please the Lord, please God, uh, actions that please God, people that please God. But I was very specific about what I typed in. Uh, I looked at things that please the Lord. Uh, and we're going to see who please God, but let's look at what pleases him according to Scripture. So your first one, and you've got a lot of blank or a lot of verses. Um, so, you know, you, we're going to be on the screen, so it's all good. So things that please the Lord. The first thing that I saw uh, that pleased the Lord, please God, is salvation. First uh, Corinthians one twenty one. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And what I'm doing right now is foolish. To the world, it's foolish. Uh, it may be foolish to some of you guys. I don't know, but uh, this is foolishness to to the world. But it's the only way that people are saved, by the preaching of the gospel. Whether you do it in this pulpit, whether you do it on your job, whether you do it, you know, at the gas station, the word of God has to be preached uh, to be believed upon, according to Romans. Um, 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Uh, when somebody gets saved, that pleases God. Uh, you know, it is a validation of what his son did on the cross. Uh, it is, and he, he loves that. It pleases God. The next, uh, unity. Unity in the body of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen. For now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So when you look around this room today, it is please God to put everybody in this body the way he sees fit. Uh, you know, not the way, and it doesn't please, it's not necessarily there to please you. It's, I'm, all, I'm glad if it pleases you in the same aspect that it pleases God, but it doesn't have to. It pleases God to have this body the way he sees fit. Uh, and he's put every member the way it sees, sees fit in this local assembly and in his body of believers. Uh, and we need every member. Uh, Psalm 133 one says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Uh, and obviously you're going to see the, the, the antithesis of this from the things that displease God. Uh, sancti sanctification. Galatians 1, 15 and 16. But when it pleased God, this is Paul speaking, he's who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Is that your goal, to reveal Jesus Christ in you? That was Paul's goal. Paul is the pattern for all New Testament believers. And so, again, he had the pedigree, but he, everything was about pointing to Jesus Christ. Um, Ephesians 4.13 says, Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, Paul would be a great goal for you to have. Uh, a lot of the New Testament believers and the apostles would be. But the measure is Jesus Christ. The measure, that's where we're supposed to get. Uh, are we ever going to get there? No, we can't. But that's the goal. That's we should get as, want to get as close as we can to that in this life before he comes to rapture us out. Uh, 
The next, sacrifice of praise. Um, Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. By him, therefore, let us offer this sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Uh, so God is pleased when you give him praise. And obviously, I, I'm a worship guy, you know, and I could, I could harp on singing. I don't feel like I have to. Uh, but that's not just what we're talking about. We're not just talking about singing, and we're going to have a, a verse for that here, you know, up there already. But it's, when you talk to people, how long does it take to you to get to where you're praising God or something that God, something that God has done in your life? Or does it ever even come up? Is every conversation that you have away from here is it always about the things of this world? Is it always about whether it's sports, whether it's your job, whether it's uh, you put you fill in the blank? How long does it take for God's name to come up? How long does it take for uh, you to give Him praise for what He's done in your life? It says to do good and communicate. Forget not. Uh, God is pleased with that. Psalm sixty nine thirty thirty one. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns or ho- and hoofs. And, you know, I know we're not, nobody's got an ox or a bullock, and I hope you don't have any that you're going to go sacrifice when you get home. But, uh, but, you know, we probably need to have another sermon about something else if you do. But um, the context is that it's the sacrifice. Uh, it's not about the things that, it's not about the earthly things, and those things are good. God wants you to tithe. God wants you to, uh, you know, but it's about your time, talent, and treasure, uh, those three things. It's how do you um, praise God with those things? So you've seen the things that please God, so let's look at the things that displease the Lord. You've got a long list again, and it's, it's, it's funny that the list that displeases the Lord is a lot longer than the uh, list that uh, please Him. Uh, and there's one list that's obvious in the Bible, uh, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Uh, and God doesn't stop at just saying this dis- it displeases Him. It's, he says that He hates it. Uh, they're an abomination, and there's a list here. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. And when you look at this list, and we're going to see them as we go through, it's funny that all those aspects are going to be in the things that displease the Lord in, in one way or another. The first thing that displeases the Lord is false doctrine. Uh, false doctrine. Jeremiah 21, 23, 1 says, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Um, all around the country today, you've got people standing in a pulpit preaching. But is God pleased with what they're saying? Is it thus saith the Lord or is it thus saith me? You know, um, how many of them are destroying and scattering the very congregation and sheep that they're, they're preaching to today? Uh, you know, woe be unto them, the word of God says. Romans sixteen seventeen. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. 
And it all leads up to where 1 Thessalonians 2, 14, 16. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins all way, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. And you can look through the New Testament. Paul... Bring some of these, he lists some of these names of the people uh, that were preaching false doctrine. Uh, and they're recorded for eternity in, this, in the epistles uh, to Timothy and also to Titus. And he told them to mark them. Uh, he told them, you know, avoid them. Uh, he told them, you know, don't, don't put up with it. And we shouldn't put up with it here. Uh, if you ever have somebody stand in this pulpit and it's not thus saith the Lord, then you need to call them aside after it's over with and have a meeting. I don't know whether the, I pray to God it's not Jay, and I pray to God it's not me. Uh, but if it ever happens, you know, don't put up with it. I'm telling you, uh, you're not supposed to. The next thing is pride. Uh, you do have some. We do have some uh, kids in the room, so I'm going to be delicate how I put this. Um, Judas, Judah, Genesis 38, 8 through 10. Uh, one of the one of the children of Judah, uh, Onan, he was supposed to go in into his brother's life. And, you know, carry on the lot, the lineage for him, and he wouldn't do it. And when he didn't do that, when he was disobedient to God, uh, verse 10 says, And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. Uh, so, and, you know, obviously, you probably don't deal with any of that today, but God had given him a specific direction, a specific instruction of what he wanted him to do, and he didn't do it. My question would be, has God given us a specific instruction and direction of what he wants us to do, and are we doing it? You know, and I, I, I got, I, context is different, I understand that, but the, the direction's not. You know, the commandment's not. Um, complaining is your next one. You knew I was going to get to that one. Complaining. Numbers 11, verse 1 says, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And I wonder, uh, and you can take this uh, passage, I wonder if we were still under the Old Testament dispensation, how many of us would still be around, you know? Uh, I know I'd been dead a long time ago. Uh, but God is not pleased with complaining. He's not. Whether it's the Old Testament with his people in, in Israel or whether it's with his New Testament body, he's not pleased with it. First uh, Corinthians 10, 5 and 6, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So God's not pleased with it, people. Uh, he's not pleased with it regardless of whether you're a pastor or whether you're uh, a leader in the church or whether you're a, a lay person. Uh, complaining is complaining, and he's not pleased. Uh, next thing is disobedience. Uh, if you look at this, Samuel uh, was talking to Saul. Uh, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, 
To obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. And I wonder, you know, how many, if we reject what God tells us, and we wonder why we're not blessed, we wonder why we don't have the blessings of God upon our life, well, what was the last thing that God told you to do that you didn't do? We should all go back and do that. And then you're going to see probably the blessings of God come back to your life, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, and again, there's no big I's and little U's. God is not a respecter of persons. God loved David, you know, because he loved God's word. But he didn't, he didn't give him a, a pass. First, Chron First Chronicles 21, 7 and 8. Uh, he, God... Satan was temp Satan tempted David, and so he goes out and numbers the people when he wasn't supposed to, uh, without asking God about it, because he wanted to. All the all these have a kind of a source of pride, if you will. Uh, there's really nothing new under the sun, but he wanted to record just how big his kingdom was and how many people he had under his rule, uh, and so he he did it anyway. He even had Joab his his main uh, one is one of his. Uh, leaders and one of the military leaders say man you you probably don't want to do this but he went ahead and did it anyway and god was displeased with this thing therefore he smote israel and david said unto god i have sinned greatly because i have done this thing but now i beseech thee do away the iniquity of thy servant for i have done very foolishly and what's interesting about this is it wasn't just david that was punished and you could you know david had other issues uh, with infidelity um Sin always has a cost, and it's not usually just for the person that commits the sin, uh, whether that be your family, whether that be uh, you fill in the blank. Uh, there's always a consequence for it. Injustice is the next thing. Isaiah 59, 15. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Um, and lastly is lack of compassion. Mark 10, 13 through 16. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For, such, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive a kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Uh, so the people that are in the back, uh, the people that are out here, God cares about his children. God cares about the young people that are in this, in this church. He cares about how they're treated. Uh, we, you know, we've been made stewards of a lot of things in this church, but we're, we're also stewards of them. And so God is going to call into account exactly how we handled uh, the young people in this church. Uh, don't ever think that, you know, that's somebody else's job or that's, you know, it's not really my responsibility. It's all of our responsibility. Uh, and, and God wants them uh, taken care of. Uh, I'm thankful for everybody that, that serves doing that in the church. So, uh, Lastly, you have two, a, a phrase called men pleasers. And you all know these people. You know, they do one thing when the boss is looking. And they do another thing when the boss is not around. I can remember growing up, I had a job in a warehouse. Uh, and it was all, I mean, it was freezing. I mean, it was cold all the time. I mean, it had no heat or whatever. So we had to figure out something to do when the boss wasn't there to stay warm. 
Well, one day, the boss, or he was gone, and one of the guys brought in a wiffle bat and a, and a, and a wiffle ball. And, man, you thought our eyes were just, I mean, this was like the best thing ever. We could play wiffle ball while he was gone and stay warm in the process. We thought this was the best, best, best job ever at that point. But how much work would we have gotten done, you know, for him if we had just kept working the whole time while he was gone? And, you know, uh, you can always, um, there have been a lot more things that we could have done. We could have made uh, the products that we were uh, passing out and the things that we were doing, the product that we were giving to the people, to the public. We could have made those things a lot better. We could have made him a lot more money. Uh, but yet, you know, when the, when the cat's away, the mouse will play, right? And so we need to do our job. We need to do the things that we do here. We need to do everything that we do with, as unto the Lord. Uh, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Ephesians 6, 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So, key question. You can write this down as well. Am I living my life to please God or please men? So, when God looks at our life, does he see a God pleaser or does he see a man pleaser? Galatians 1.10, For do now I persuade men or, or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2.4, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Uh, we have to live our lives with that mindset. It's what I'm doing, pleasing God. Uh, next thing, number two. Yeah, that was all number one. You're welcome. So, number two, a walk. Walk goes in your blank. So we're going to kind of break this down in, in sections. As you look at this passage, we're actually going to cover the last part of 6B uh, last ch- and then go to 6A. So uh, and it, the phrase is without faith. Uh, it says in Hebrews, again, but without faith, it is po- impossible to please him. Um, and Obviously, if you've studied the Bible for more than five minutes, I remember this was one of the first verses when I started studying, you know, kind of reading this, uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, that is the definition of faith. And so when you look at that, and, you, and not, again, there's faith. that You have faith in Christ and you get saved. But there's also faith uh, that has action to it. There's also faith that you have that doesn't stop at salvation. There's faith that you have that I believe what God said, and I'm going to do that. That's faith. That's substance and it's action. Uh, It's evidence and it's action. So notice that when he says that diligently seek him, uh, when you diligently seek him, that means that you're pursuing something. Uh, it also means there's things you're not pursuing. Uh, Jeremiah 29:13, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Um, I love the Word of God because it's very when it's a conditional, it tells you it's conditional, and when it's uh, a definite, it says it's a definite. If you seek me, this is what God is saying. If you seek me, 
It doesn't say you might find me. It doesn't say that maybe. It says you shall and you will. Um, and I, the question is, are we seeking him? Proverbs eight seventeen. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Um, this doesn't work by osmosis. It'd be awesome if it did. You could take your Bible and just, you know, stick it up there. Uh, studying is work. Finding the what God wants for you in, in His Word is work. Uh, you need to be a workman that's, that's approved unto God, not approved unto men. So a key question, is God pleased or displeased with my walk with him? And so, obviously, if you're not seeking the Lord, well, guess what? You're seeking something else, and you're walking away from him because you're not walking towards him. So, technically, you really don't have a walk with him. If you're not seeking him. You think about in the garden. It says the voice of the Lord walked with them in the garden. till they disobeyed. Uh, then they were hiding. And he's trying to find them. They had stopped walking with him because of sin. First um, Thessalonians 4.1. Furthermore, then we beseech you brethren. And exhort you by the Lord Jesus. That as you have received of us. How you ought to walk and to please God. So you would abound more and more. So we, you know, ought to, that's how, that's how we would say it, we ought to walk and please God, right? Uh, we ought to please him. Uh, he told Abram that in Genesis 17, 1, when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. You, you can follow if you want. That's not what he said. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And perfect didn't mean that he wasn't going to sin because he most certainly did. But he walked before God. Uh, and he was found faithful according to the scripture. Exodus 16, 4. Uh, and he tried Abraham. He tries us. Uh, he wants to prove whether we're going to walk with him by the things that he, some of the things that we run into in our lives. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. That I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Exodus 18.20 And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws. And thou shalt show them, show them the way wherein they must walk. And the work that they must do. Not if they want to or not. They must do it if they're going to follow me. So here's your next key. Uh, my walk with God. And your walk with God. Is determined by what I walk after. What I walk in. And how I walk. So today, you're pursuing something. You're walking towards something. You're walking after something. You're walking in something. And there is a way that you are walking. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Second Peter 2.10 uh, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil, evil of dignities. So are you walking after the Spirit, or are you walking after the flesh? You can't do both. 
I can't do both. Um, you know, you can't serve two masters, the Word of God says. Galatians 5.16, same thing. When are we walking in? This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before named that we should walk in them. You know, works don't save you. Uh, you, you but if you have faith... There should be some works. There should be some evidence of your faith. Um, not just by what you say. And what you say is important. But what do you do? Uh, do you walk in love? Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And you can walk in love, and you can walk in good works, or you can walk in darkness. First John 1 John 1.6 If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You can't do both. Uh, you can't do both. It's impossible. And you may fool me. I may fool me. But God knows. God knows. You know, uh, you know we can... As religious people, we can really fool ourselves in a lot of things. Uh, that we're doing good things and we're doing, uh, you know. But what does, from deep down, you know, what's our motive? What's our motivation? Is it to please God or is it to please men? Uh, Romans 13, 13, 14. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I can remember my dad, and I'm sure, you know, we could, you probably all have this testimony. My dad, there was a curfew for a reason. Uh, you know, he would just say, well, you know, you don't need to be out that late because of the things that happen after that time. Uh, and any time I stayed out past that time, I always got in trouble. Um, so, you know, there's just some things that you'll do when... You think nobody's looking that you won't do when people are looking. Um, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of us think that regardless of daytime or nighttime, God's not watching. The pastor's not watching. Uh, my leader's not watching. My disciple's not watching. Uh, fill in the blank. But God's watching. Uh, he, you know, his eyes run to and fro. He sees everything that, that is going on. Uh, so we should walk honestly as he's right there with us. Because guess what? He is. And, and sometimes we can drag the Holy Spirit through a lot of things that, man, he'd just rather not participate in. You know? I'm sure if we could, you know, if you could really hear his voice, he's probably like, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out. But he can't. You know, he can't because uh, you're just dragging him through it. God help us. God help us. First Thessalonians uh, 4, 11, and 12. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business. And we could really stop right there for all of us. Uh, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that, that you may have lack of nothing. 
uh, I think a lot of times we feel like we live on an island, uh, that our actions and our words, they don't really, they just end with us and they have no consequence or no result. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes, you know, you don't really, you may say something, and I've been guilty of this, you may say something or do something, and you think, eh, it wasn't that bad, you know. But then you hear maybe there was somebody that's not saved that heard what you said. Uh, and where, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ may give you a little grace as they're commanded to do because of what you said. Uh, but then you've also been a bad testimony witness for what you just said to somebody else on your job or anywhere else. Uh, we have to walk honestly toward them that are without um, because they're watching how you live. They're watching. If they find out you go to church, if they find out that you say you're a Christian, then they want to see if you're going to act like one. Because uh, they may not be believers, but they know what, they've probably seen, they've seen somebody that's living for the Lord, and they want to see if you look like that or if you look like them, right? Um, they want to see if you're different, because you say you're different. Ephesians five fifteen and 16, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, lastly, Second Thessalonians 3.11, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Uh, you know, and obviously we, you know, with uh, some of the things, the uh, payments that have been coming from the government, we are obviously dealing with some of that now. We have a lot of people that are just rather sit at home, uh, and our society and our culture is, you know, being punished because of that. Um, and so, you know, God's called us all to work. Um, he also says in another passage that if you don't work and you don't provide for your family, then you're worse than an infidel. All right. Um, so if you have the ability to work and if you have the ability to make a living, go make a living, uh, and preach Christ and God on the job that you, he's given you because that's your mission field. Last number three, uh, worth, worth goes in your blank. So we've seen uh, a witness, we've seen the walk, and then, uh, then we see worth. Okay, go back to the passage in Hebrews 11. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we see a rewarder in this passage, and the rewarder is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if we do our job well, uh, our secular job, or even, you know, if we win souls, uh, then, you know, it's, God says that we are supposed to be rewarded for that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't work two weeks and then, you know, not get your check and not say something about it. Now, Alex would. He could, he could, he could stand not to get his check for a few weeks, but, you know, we can't, but, uh, but you wouldn't do that. That would be crazy if you work two weeks, put in your 80 hours, and then the boss would be like, yeah, I'll probably, we'll pay you next time. You know. And that's what's awesome about, you know, the work that God has called us to do. We have an opportunity when we see him to be rewarded for doing a good job. Well, we also have the opportunity to not be rewarded. 
Uh, and the key, go back to that again, Derek. Go back to that passage. He is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. So if you don't diligently seek him, there's a really good chance you're not going to get rewarded. You know, we're about to start a new year, um, and I'm, I've already fallen behind, but are we going to read God's Word every day this year? Are we going to do that? You know, we have a 52 weeks of pursuit, and guess what? 52 weeks just started. So, you know, are we going to seek Him in 2022, or are we going to still just live our lives for ourselves? I don't think we have much time left. I really don't. Uh, I, I'm not a prophet. I'm not an apostle, as we've seen from, uh, from what Jay's uh, preached for the past few weeks. Uh, but I can kind of read the tea leaves. I don't see how it can go on much longer. I really don't. We have to get busy. Uh, Colossians 1.10 says that ye, ye might walk worthy. Again, this is conditional. Uh, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. So there is a walk that you should have and there's a chance for you to walk worthy before him. Uh, what did he tell Abram? Abraham? He said, be, walk before me, be thou perfect. He's given you the same instruction. He's given me the same instruction. Um, you can walk worthy, and you can walk before him, and you can be perfect. Not perfect as, sin, as sinless, but perfect as complete and mature in Christ. Uh, we can do that. You may think that, you know, you may look at somebody like, uh, you know, some of these guys from LFBI, you know, and think, man, I could never get to where they are. Yes, you can. You got the same Holy Spirit and you got the same Bible as they do. We all have it if we've been saved and we can all seek Him diligently and we can walk worthy of what He's called us to do, whether it's to be a pastor, whether it's to be uh, a teacher, a discipler, uh, all those things. We can do that in a way that would be pleasing to Him. Uh, Ephesians 4.1 I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And again, you know, if he had put work there again, you know, you'd have probably, well, he's asked me to do something. He's asked me to work. Yes, he has. And really, he, he hasn't asked you. He's commanded you. Would we, you know, whether, I don't know what all you guys do, but would you ever expect to go into work, again, this is kind of the opposite of what I just presented to you earlier, would you ever go in, not do anything, for, sit there for 80 hours, and your boss knows it, would you expect a paycheck? Sometimes we do. I wouldn't say we do it for all 80 hours. But we put the same conditions on God. We don't do anything for him and expect him to bless us.
We don't seek him. We don't witness. We don't share Christ with him or with other people. But man, we want to be blessed, don't we? Why would he? And, you know, I used to think when I wasn't a leader or a pastor or a discipler, I used to think that that was always somebody else's job. Well, the pastor will do that or, you know, the deacon will do that or the, you know, fill in the blank, the elder, you know, they'll do that stuff. I'm just going to, you know, just come in, sit, go home. Well, that's not what God says. Second Corinthians five eighteen through 20. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's kind of like the believer's breath test, right? That's us. That's you. That's me. We've all been called. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, because he's committed that to us, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So an ambassador is someone that doesn't speak of himself. He speaks on behalf or... You know, we have ambassadors to the United Nations. You know, have all the, and we have ambassadors to different countries. They all come together. Well, they don't get to say what they want to. They say whatever the leaders told them to say, right? Now, if we're ambassadors for Jesus, then the words of Jesus should come out of our mouth. They should come out of my mouth. Continually. Uh and so that kind of leads to your last key. Whether you walked worthy or unworthy, I don't know if this, I don't know if I should have said worthily or unworthily. If we have an English person in here, maybe they can tell me afterward. But whether you walked worthy or unworthy will be revealed at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, I wonder, and this is again for myself. When I was younger, like that day, you never think about, well, that could be today. You never think about having to see Jesus today. You know, that never, even, even though I was saved, it was never on my radar. And as I've gotten older and as I've started trying to follow after God and walking with him, each day that passes, I'm like, Man, I thought it might be today. And each day that, as you see where the world's going, it's got to be close. It's got to be. Uh, and that's a, it's an exciting thing for me, personally. But it's also very humbling and, all, and really kind of fearful. Uh, because of what this says in 1 Corinthians 3. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. 
For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work, there's that word again, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. And so, you know, I don't see how anybody could read that and not think that your work is important. And yes, you know, if you've been saved, if you've been bought by the blood and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's plenty. It's enough. You're going to spend eternity with him. Praise the Lord. But your work is important. My work is important. Uh, you know, I've always thought that you don't, you know, you get points for filling out your name, right? In, in class, they would give you so many points, like you would get a grade. But it wasn't many. It was usually, if you was out of 100, you might get 10 or 15 points just for putting your name down. That's a pretty low score. That's an F, like, like low F, like not even close to being a D, you know. Um, the work will be made manifest. The day shall declare it. And what sort it is is, is going to be of utmost importance. Because that day, if you've diligently sought him, verse 14 says it, if it abides, you shall receive a reward. If it doesn't abide, if you if didn't diligently seek him, you shall, it shall be burned, you shall suffer loss. And at that, on that day, it's not going to matter who you were. It's not going to matter how much you tithed. It's not going to matter if you were a pastor. It's not going to matter if you were fill in the blank. You know, it's only going to matter what kind of work you had. It doesn't matter what your last name was. It doesn't matter who your daddy was. You know, it doesn't matter because every man's work shall be revealed for its own work. Um, and so, you know, with that being said, uh, I would ask us to kind of consider these things. We've got a new year starting. Let's make our New Year's resolution to be to please the Lord. Amen. Let's pray.